Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Tina Horn. And you're listening to Why Are People Into That, the podcast for queers, sluts, perverts, whores, and everyone who loves us. It's BOGO season at the Pleasure Chest. Stock up for summer at the Pleasure Chest's one and only sale of the year. All throughout July, you can buy one and get one half off anything that vibrates of equal or lesser value in the store. Got your eye on a luxury vibe? Want to try a vibrating butt plug? Did the magic finally leave your trusty wand? Not to worry, BOGO July is the perfect time to restock or upgrade your toolbox. Invest in pleasure, gift a friend, surprise your partner, or really just treat yourself. Need some suggestions? Visit PleasureChest.com to check out the perfect pairings collection for some new and classic power couples that just go better together. BOGO is available in-store in New York City, Los Angeles, and Chicago, and online. To find out more, follow at Pleasure Chest stores on social media or visit PleasureChest.com. And now, on with the show. And then the one that you did uh, the first few chapters of for Four Chambers is... Story of the Eye by George Bataille. Amazing. Yeah. So what was that like? Is that the only time that you've made porn based on a book? Yes. Cool. Um, I know. People should do that more. Yeah, Caden Cross does Anais Nin stories Hell sometimes. Yeah. Oh, that's it's hot. So good. Um, it was. Where can where can people find that? As of a year ago, if you went to Trench Code X, you could find that series wide open. Cool. So, but you so you co-founded Trench Code X, and that's a membership site that I often recommend to people when they want when they want a recommendation of a, a place where they can watch really hot port where they can subscribe to a site that has like a, a pretty good variety of a lot of porn yeah produced by different people featuring different people that is like made by sex workers who are invested in making really great erotic short films that you can jerk off to yeah 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 Get people to support yeah yeah definitely and, but, but you and we'll 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 come back to the subject at hand but you're doing something similar with zero spaces now so zero spaces is like the elevator pitch is if playboy took sexuality as seriously as they take everything else love that um speaking so, of yeah reading it for the articles right yes yeah. so we have the second issue there's a profile on a woman named Alejandra Cruz, who was a direct provider, had a terrible experience, walked away, became a costume designer, came back and does like community building stuff. Amazing. Um, and we have Bettina May with a short erotic story that comes with some pinup photos. Cool. 
that she shot herself. My friend Hart from Tumblr wrote like a, a real life sexy bit. Cool. And then we have we have a video of apneatic doing like vaguely ASMR stuff while right. I whisper excerpts from another supervert piece. And then all the way through to like Around the World in 80 Ways with the hardcore with Lance Hart. And that's the scene that my editor Wolf had the intervention over with the honey you're a bottom. <laughs> Amazing. So, so you can go to the website and see that in real time. Great. You can watch the awkwardness in the uncut. I love that. Cool. Well, people should check that out. Oh, I guess one other thing that we should say while we're talking about books and reading and writing and literature as sexual, even if like the content is not necessarily like strictly sexual, is the fetish object of the book, which you've like alluded to with the bookshelf, but also the idea of like how things have changed where people are reading more and more on devices and screens. There are some of us who are like sticklers for the like physical fetish object of a book and how like a dusty old paperback smells. I love the smell of old bookstores. Yeah, man. I have a perfume. It's the only perfume I wear that smells vaguely like a dusty bookstore. Oh. And like sometimes people are like, you smell like my grandma. And I'm like, I know, I smell like old paper. It's great. Oh my God. Um, And there's one of the things that I've noticed in the past few years with so much, so many people reading iTunes or Kindle or whatever, is it seems like publishers are putting more effort into the object again. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, if they're going to do a printed book, like, they actually, like, give it a nice cover. And, like, there's a texture. uh, optimistic way of looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Like, if you're going to do it, fucking do it. Yeah, do it right. Yeah. So, like, like my book, it kind of feels like a high-end sex toy. Nice. And the name of your book, again, is Philosophy, Philosophy, Pussycats, and Porn. Yes. Awesome. Because it talks about all three vaguely. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. The philosophy is actually the least relevant thing. Or it's sort of a through line. Yeah. There's cats all over. Nice. There's something like calming about it. Totally. Because you like you develop this habit of like reading for yourself, mm. reading to relax, reading to unwind. And then the act of like picking up a physical book has this like Pavlovian kind of like you're like oh like I'm here to focus totally which for me is huge because ADHD so I'm like a thing that helps me focus I love it yeah, yeah, yeah good point I mean I don't I don't like screens I do like the smell of books like you know it may yeah it totally like makes me feel like I'm going into my own world and like escaping from my troubles for a while in a way that feels like very like deep and old like, it's like the most ancient thing that I can think of in terms of my lifetime, you know. There is also just that reading on a device is like this is the thing that I work on and Mm. pay my bills on and that my mom calls me on. That doesn't make me feel relaxed at all. No, definitely not. Yeah. Yeah, so on a book, like, nobody can get at you. Yes, there's no text message window popping up over top of the first two sentences on the page. That clearly irritates me. Yeah. So what are some books that turn you on? I think my absolute favorite 
is Lara Antonio's The Reunion. Oh, yeah. It is the best. Friend of the pod. My second, third guest oh on my this God, podcast, amazing. actually. I yeah. adore her. Like, yeah. I'm, like, such a huge fan. Same. Someone reached out a few years ago with the idea to do the marketplace as a porno. Oh, God. And I was like, I'm going to check this book out. And I read the book and I was like, I love this book. It's so good. Nobody has the budget to do it justice with full sex. Yeah. And it would need to have the full sex to make sense. Like you couldn't do a TV show without showing the sex. It would have to be for HBO. Yeah. But like, I feel like this needs to happen. Who's going to make that happen? Any producers want to get in touch? I'd love to direct. Oh my Um, God. Have you directed before? I've directed porn. Yeah, yeah. But not not anything narrative. Cool. I believe in you. I think you could do it. Well, so for those who are not familiar, the marketplace is... Uh, so, uh, you know, erotic literature sort of in the vein of Story of O in the sense of there being this like isolated manner where consensual erotic BDSM sex slaves are taken to train. But then there's also this like whole marketplace, uh, you know, imagined when people are trained, then they can be like given uh, or, you know, or sold to to masters or mistresses or households. She makes capitalism sexy. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. she's eroticized like the main oppressive force in our lives. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and she's extremely queer and extremely kinky. And so, you know, even though there's like lots of different kinds of of permutations of people, it definitely has a very leather queer approach. The thing that's really notable and like most starkly in the reunion compared to all other erotic literature that I've read. Yeah. She talks about the psychology of it. Yeah. Like she deals with all the variety of reasons that people are attracted to BDSM and the emotional experience of it. Yeah. In a way that's like just like nobody's touched on from any direction yeah we won't even deign to mention some of the things that laura antony's work surpasses in every way yes um it, it if you are like looking for somebody who lives and understands that and is not just trying to like use it as a metaphor for really boring shit check out all the marketplace books she also wrote this extremely funny book called the killer war leather we talked about this we last talked time, about right? this yeah which is like actually a very good funny sort of caper murder mystery that takes place at a leather convention and it's just like if you have been to leather conventions you will be like i feel so seen and also skewered but like in a nice way it's satire is the sincerest form of flattery right um but then but then if you've if you've never have been and you want to know what it is actually really like from someone who has been to a million of them and like has been to enough of them that they are like ready to position themselves as like the cranky person who is like making fun of it lovingly then killer war leather highly recommend and super hot super hot i love like nice. sex scenes within genre stories yes yeah, it's the the thing that a lot of erotica is missing is the context. Right. Like, it's just like, oh, like, here's some people boning. It's just, I don't know, I guess my body's responding. Yeah. Shrug. Yeah. Yeah. Does that feel like the 
difference between something that is like just designed as like a body genre to like make your body respond so that you can like get aroused and get off versus something that also that like stimulates your body and other abstract parts of you as well so i'm i have like a significant amount of arousal non-concordance oh interesting oh talk about that the book for this is emily nagoski's come as you are hell yeah and she talks about a few really awesome concepts the brakes and accelerator system Mm. for how desire happens the sleepy hedgehog metaphor Mm. your feelings are a sleepy hedgehog in your lap and you want to be gentle with your sleepy hedgehog and just let it like chill there until it's ready to wake up yeah because it's like cute and spiky yeah and another thing she talks about is arousal non-concordance and there was a study done a few decades ago where they showed men and women all these various video clips, like some not sexual at all, some like porn, some nature of like bonobos banging it out. Mm. And they also measured genital response, Mm. like things like blood flow. And they had the people self-report what aroused them and compared it to what their genitals said. Interesting. Men have approximately 50% overlap. Mm. Women have like 20% or something like insanely low. Interesting. Yeah. So what are some of the conclusions of that? Gosh, it's so weird that our bodies and our brains are on completely different pages so often. For example, if you have, what is it called? Arousal? Non-concordance. Non-concordance. You might watch something and think, that's hot, but like you don't necessarily get wet. Right, like you'll be like, I'm so turned on right now, but my pussy is like not particularly involved. Interesting. Or, oh my God, my body's going nuts, but like I don't really want this, right? I guess I'll go have an orgasm to shut it up, Mm. but like I'm not like stoked. Like I'm like trying to get through my work day and I just happen to handle a lot of pornography. I'm, uh, I'm so interested in studies like that in like the variables with them because my arousal response to watching a video in a lab would be really different from my arousal response with a person or in private or when I'm not being, I mean, you know, the like exhibitionism and voyeurism at play. Oh, I have a whole plan for this. Oh yeah. Hit me. But it would take an immense amount of resources. So in theory, a large content provider could have people self-disclose what they're into. Yeah. They could mark each video with like, this happens at this time point, Mm -hmm. then track what people are watching. Yeah. And compare what they're actually viewing and when they stop viewing, whether they move on to another video or leave the site, in which case we can presume that they've had an orgasm, like they've got what they came for and are satisfied. Yeah. and I think, data. yeah, with that kind of data tracking, we could have like blow the Kinsey study out of the water. Yeah. Because it's really hard for people to self-report. Well, right. And then there's like the correspondence or con- concordance uh, of how people think of themselves sexually versus what their their actual arousal response patterns are. And then if there's a if there's a discordance between how they think of themselves and how their body is actually responding, that can also cause distress and shame, which then gets 
tangled up in the arousal, especially when it comes to watching erotic media and masturbation and just doing things that maybe people have been raised to think is unnatural or pathetic or wrong or that they have the wrong idea and they assume that all porn involves exploiting people so they Mm -hmm. like essentially so they like feel guilty like oh i'm like really into this but like someone was harmed in the making of Mm -hmm. this and so now i feel like you know there's just like i'm no doctor but (laughs) i feel like there's a lot of things that complicate this data yes which doesn't mean that it's not worth considering especially since it was uh, i mean it sounds like you know reading come as you are and reading about those studies also helps you to understand or put in context some things that you've noticed about yourself absolutely and it gives you a framework you know a lot of my job now is people bringing me their sex problems right because you do the column how to do it yes on slate but also like they bring that stuff to my Instagram DMs and like all over the place. And I'm like, hey, I got the whole call. You could just write into the, and then I'd answer and get paid. And yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> like any new sex or sexuality book, I'm always like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. I'm so excited. What am I going to learn here? Because nice. like it might be useful going forward. So what is the difference for you between the experience of reading fiction that either is like erotic fiction, like a Laura Antonio book, or literature that happens to have sex scenes in it, some better than others, obviously, some erotica is better than others as well, and also subject to taste. So what is the difference for you between like reading erotic fiction that is like telling a story and maybe has like a scene and characters that are erotic or arousing versus like reading a nonfiction book about sexuality? So way back in puberty times, I had a a bit of an instructional library. Mm. And there was this one specific book called The Guide to Getting It On. And there are some issues with this book. Yeah, we were we were talking yeah. about that off mic already. But, but, like, I, but I, want, I want you to tell your story about it. There are, there are issues with all of these. Like even the books we're putting out now. Like yeah. there's something or like I'm sure my book is incredibly critiquable. Like there's always an issue. But the specific issue with Guide to Getting It On is they like they spend inches of paper like more than an inch thick yeah talking about the parts and kissing and digital stimulation and oral stimulation and then they have this one chapter Mm. and it's very short Mm -hmm. and it's practically at the end i think it's just before the part where they talk about differently abled sex and like how to navigate that sure um, and they're just like, yeah, so like some people are really into like BDSM and fetish and here's kind of a cursory tour. And I would read it over and over and let my mind fill in the blanks. Mm. And like, I'm like, ooh, like there's this whole world that they're mentioning that like I just got to find like an entry point into. And that's what I would masturbate to. Cool. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's I'm so glad that you that you brought that up because 
you know, I've always had a problem with this book, Guide to Getting It On. And part of the reason is that it's it's in every sex positive sex toy store. I'm sure a lot of people listening have seen it or own it or have read it or it was like the first book that they picked up. I mean, the marketing of it is, is very smart because it's like the modern version of, of the joy of sex, like for a lot of people in many ways, right? Yeah. I just remember like when I read it, I was like really, I was, I think I was like in my early 20s when I read it and I was so excited to read something that I that I thought was going to like I mean part of it is that I went in with the expectations that it would like be a corrective for a lot of bullshit or like lack of comprehensive education and I just found it to be so shamey especially the section that you're talking about about kink it like you know is very much like safari parachuting in mm-hmm. and like being like ugh, like some people are into this like really freaky shit not me and not you dear reader obviously and there's no campiness or winkiness to it i obviously i'm like putting camp on it that it doesn't deserve as a, a kinky person and somebody who was like looking for information cultural context and uh, you know even like the promise of more community and, and, you know, finding compatible people. It was hurtful, you mm. know, because it's like you expect that from middle school sex ed and you expect it from religious leaders and you expect it from parents or whatever. But then there's like supposedly this person that's like the cool guide to getting it on. And then they're like, yeah, this shit is like really freaky for people who are probably really sick. So like I that that has made me always actually like really hate that book. Also, the guy who wrote it is a total fucking troll on Twitter. So oh. fuck him. Oh, um, that's good to know. Yeah. Um. That's- so I would not promote him or his work. But sometimes problematic fucked up shit is really hot, especially when you're really young and you don't have access to right. other things. And maybe the the fact that it was like, here's this sick, freaky, twisted shit. You're like, I'm the weirdo, mister. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I totally, like, I encountered that and I was like, yeah, sick, twisted, weirdo shit. That's what I'm into. Where are the sick, twisted weirdos at? And then it took a good... Did you find them, Stoya? I did. I did. Um, I found them. I fucked them. I fawned over them. Um, (laughs) And now you're a beacon of of light for... It it was the weirdos out there. It was a process. I mean, it's still in process of like twenty years of undoing that particular framing and going like, oh, I'm not weird. I'm a normal human. Totally. It turns out the broad spectrum of human desire is so much more interesting and diverse and detailed than like anyone wanted to think about 20 years ago totally and so I'm like like I'll still occasionally be like I found my freaks um and then it's like wait are we sure about that word like that word might be well it's like any other reclaimed word right yeah um if it's been used to oppress you then it's yours to reclaim okay yeah sweet yeah that's I'm here I'm here to validate that for you (laughs) awesome it's like a therapy session listen secretly that's what i'm out here doing um not so secretly the secret's out the cat the pussy cat is out of the bag <laughs> hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello 
HelloFresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Are there works of literature, like canonical literature that you find really hot, either because they have great sex scenes in them or maybe there's something about them that you found hot that is, you know, a little bit more, like, fetishistic, like, not strictly dickly. I was never much of a literature person. Interesting. Like, I I read the, like, required stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, it was like, okay, like, I slogged through the Scarlet Letter. Um, Did that turn you on? No. Interesting. That made me feel, like, really icky. Yeah. Because it was, it's a book about slut-shaming. Yeah. Why do we require our school children to read a book about slut-shaming? You be the judge and jury. Yeah. I, I mean, I've, I mean, I've I could judged. definitely see someone eroticizing mm-hmm. that, right? Like, twisting uh, it around and being like... Yeah, punish me for being a slut. But that, see, that's, that doesn't work for me at all. It's interesting. Like, I'm like, like, wail on my ass because I like it. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's. Yeah. Like, I never want to be, like, in trouble or, mm, like. Interesting. <laughs> like, that, that makes me, like, seize up and go dry. Like, there's definitely, like, the, the genre fiction, mm. like, sci-fi and fantasy gets, yeah. like, really racy. Yeah, yeah. There's, um. Andre Norton and Mercedes Lackey's book about the elf. I can't remember the name of it now. I can't believe I can't remember the name of it. I That sound you hear is the sound of furious Googling. Yeah. <laughs> furious future Googling when people listen to this. But it was like, I loved that book and there was there were very erotic parts about it. Maybe I just like the way Mercedes Lackey writes sex because I'm also thinking about the one about the musician and then she meets this guy and like they have sex on a rock. I wore that page out. Mm. They have sex on a rock by a river and the rocks are tearing up her back. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I just like. That one really worked for me for a while, too, when Guide to Getting It On and Dan Savage weren't available. (laughs) Do you know Sam Delaney? Yes. Sam Delaney is like peak sci-fi raunch. I haven't read. I've only read Times Square Red, Times Square Blue. Great book. And Bread and Wine. Oh, yeah. That erotic comics. Yeah. Yeah. But Uh like... The strangest, sweetest erotic comic. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, he's still with that person. I should read his sci-fi stuff. Oh, yeah. No, his sci-fi is is really amazing and often very erotic. Um, but he also has just written these, like, truly disgusting books. And by, you know, disgusting I is a you know high praise uh, from me. Uh, like this book, Hog, that is just like... It's just every taboo that you can think of. And it's uh-huh. he's just so gleeful and, I don't know, Sam Delaney has this, like, benevolence about him. Like, as a presence, I've, like, definitely, like, gone, I saw him speak at St. Mark's here in New York, and I, like, gave him a DVD of a porn that I had directed, which is queer and has a lot of people in it. I'm sure a lot of people, you know, but it has a naked picture of Arabelle Raphael on the cover. And I like gave to him and I was like, you are my like porno hero. You know, here's some queer porn that I made. And, and, and he was like, Oh, 
I'm very fond of lesbian stories. And I was like, oh, I want to explain to you that this TV has people other than lesbians in a lot of ways, but also that is the most amazing thing that you could possibly have said to me. Thank you for gifting me with that story. Sam Blaney, I'm going to get out of your hair now. Yeah, what a, what a great guy. And yeah, he just like has such a, a presence of benevolence. But I, I feel that like through his work. Yes. You know, through his work that he made before I was born, you know, yeah. and he's still making it. Times Square Red, Times Square Blue, one turned me on. Oh, yeah. I mean, get Two, out of here. like really showed me what sex positivity is. Yeah. The way he talks about all these things, the porn theaters, the sex happening in them, the yeah. the hustlers, the rent boys, the yeah. way that that's so flexible in that community, or at least totally. was at the time. My mind is blown. Yeah. Like, this is a better way to talk about sex and sexuality. 100%. And also is such an important document of what that culture can mean and what a tragedy it is to colonize and gentrify it and like literally disnify that and when we talk about like cleaning up Times Square or like you know being hard on crime like part of what we're talking about is gentrifying sexual spaces and queer spaces and sex work spaces yeah you know I'm not saying that everything that ever happened in Times Square was always I'm not saying that abuse was not going on freedom doesn't promise freedom from abuse that's still worth my psychiatrist protecting says it's not Disneyland but like as adults we should have the right and spaces to go to to take risks yes and like like we're we're not 18 we've had enough time to like practice risk and Mm. find out where our comfort zone is find out how comfortable we are stretching out of it and like as adults we have the right to go two spaces that are safe for risk or that are set up to that set us up the best for taking risks because it's worth it right yeah Yeah. that's very that's wise you have a good psychiatrist he's great good job (laughs) i adore him thanks for sharing that wisdom it's also nice to know that there are therapists out there who are giving good advice because there's a lot of them that are pathologizing us yeah i've had i've had good luck i found my first therapist that i saw more than like one time through persist oh awesome which i don't know if they're around anymore they were integrated into the red umbrella project and i think have been on like indefinite hiatus but a lot of the people who who worked with both red up and Persist Health Project have moved on to other kinds of activist work like the Anti-Violence Project and Hacking and Hustling and okay. the legacy of those orgs yeah. lives on in the sex worker rights movement, including Decrim New York, which it's just announced so yesterday exciting. that they're going to try to fucking make this make it happen. Anyway, I, that makes me so happy. Like I have I have literal goosebumps right now. I know it would be amazing to live in a state where prostitution is decriminalized, where sex work is decriminalized. Yeah. It would be huge. Yeah, there's so much. That's like only the first step, too. There's like so much work to be done around yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. It would be really fucking exciting. But like that first step five years ago would have told you, I don't expect to see it within my lifetime. Totally. And now I'm like, we might see it next year. <sighs> Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. People get really hung up on bad sex scenes in books 
why do you think that writing sex scenes is so difficult? Why do you think people are so quick to judge them? Probably because of the lack of sex ed. Yeah. People have this idea that if it doesn't make them hard or wet, Mm. then it's bad. Totally. And we see that all the time with porn. Like, you're like, this porn sucks. And you're like, why does it suck? And you're like, well, it didn't make my dick hard. And I'm like, well, that, how, like, you're making an objective judgment based on subjective experience. Totally. Also, there's a whole big company that I'm not going to name that probably has what you want. Why are you bothering me? Yeah, totally. Um, but. Yeah, it's like people are offended they get really aggressively offended. Yeah, yeah. Like, they're like, you're terrible. And it's like, but just, it, you could move on to the next thing. Like, yeah. it's not, yeah, nobody's forcing you. And so I think that definitely comes into play. I think you're right. And I think a lot of these bad sex scenes come from people wanting to be edgy mm. or even wanting to include sexuality because it is part of the human experience. Yeah. But being really uncomfortable about it because we still don't have that many spaces to really discuss sex. And like, yeah. sex people write sex good. Yeah. We sure do. Yeah. And like people who aren't, they don't spend that much time around sexuality or mm. like having sex with more than their one long-term monogamous partner. Yeah. They don't write sex so good because they don't have as much practice. Well, it's so crazy how, like, it shuts off people's fucking imaginations or their their craft and their ability, like, things that they would apply if they were writing a fight scene. Or... Nicholson Baker, House of Holes. Oh, ooh, ooh, I love the name. Yeah, he's this, like, straight... I identify as a House of Holes. <laughs> straight white cis dude wrote a whole book that's just, it's literature, but it's this bizarre sexual romp. Ooh, um, great. You enter the house of holes through a hole, mm. a dryer or a straw, mm. or like like any hole can be a portal. And then you're in this bizarre fantasy land where like dicks can be traded and like great. somebody, the main villain steals people's clitorises. Ooh. Yeah, and he he really seems like he's just like an average dude yeah. who just happened to write like a whole book of really awesome sex scenes that were done well. It's interesting. I feel like part of the reason that it's like people are afraid to write good sex scenes, again, like whether it's a book that has a name like House of Holes that is like clearly meant to be like, you know, a, a one page read, as they say, right? Or, like, you know, erotica, like the prose version of pornography. Mm-hmm. Or something that's more akin to, like, a feature film with a sex scene, right? Like, like literature that, like, stands on its own as a book, but then, like, has scenes where, as people do, they have sex or they masturbate or they think about sex or talk about it or talk about sexuality. I feel like people are hesitant to write about sex well because it's so exposing or like makes them so vulnerable that they would that they're like embarrassed to admit that they like sex Mm. and that they that they think about it in creative and interesting ways so they like put up this defense where they're like i'm gonna be really boring and unimaginative about this sex because otherwise people will know what is on my mind 
And then, of course, also, like, censorship is a real thing. And sometimes yeah. people don't write about sex explicitly because they want to be able to distribute their book or get a publisher or get it in bookstores or get it reviewed. Sometimes people will just flat out not publish something because the sex in it made them uncomfortable. Yes. It's we, a rumor that I've We heard. almost didn't get philosophy pussycats and porn on the Kindle store because of the word porn in the title. Wow. Yeah. Just because just because porn is a word in the title. Yeah. The the publisher went to work on them and they eventually rolled over. I'm but glad. there was like a week where I was like biting my nails, like, ah, oh, I should have gone with a different title. Um Would you have changed the title to get it published? I I would have. Yeah. Um because Better to get it out there. Because yeah. there's a ton of porn in the book, but they like want to Yeah. And I then I would have like kept myself up at night wondering like what if someone doesn't realize there's going to be that much porn in there (laughs) and like buys it thinking it's about philosophy and cats and then is really surprised yeah it does Um, what it says on the tin yeah Yeah. (laughs) so I guess there would have been issues either way I wonder what the original manuscript looked like Mm. with those kind of scenes like I'm curious what the editing process was like, what got removed. Right. Is it self-censorship or is it an editor? Is it a publisher? Is it a distributor? You know, because you yeah. you know from making porn on many different levels that like sometimes the person that is dictating the what you are allowed to show is the credit card company. Yeah. Visa. It all yeah. goes back to Visa. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not, you know, it's not like the porn star doesn't want to portray something it's not like the director is not interested in something it's not like the company doesn't want to show something or that the market isn't there it's like you've got these corporate finance people being like we're just going to make these arbitrary broad sweeping judgments on what is obscene and a lot of the time it's like totally subjective to like what makes that person uncomfortable or feel threatened which is not a functional guideline it sure is not no 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 and is often very heteronormative and misogynistic and white supremacist and classist and a bunch of other fucked up things and then those of us who are freaks and weirdos you know we have to think of ourselves as freaks and weirdos because we just want to get turned on and tell stories in the way that we want to yeah. Do that and reach other people because all of this stuff, I mean, books are about humans connecting. Yes. Right? Absolutely. Ultimately, that is the thesis of this podcast. <laughs> books are about connecting, even yes. connecting with yourself. Yes. Yeah. 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 The death of the author, the little death, fucking Stoya's body when she's gone. And in the meantime, I have a flashlight. Oh, right. And you can <laughs> go to fleshlight.com slash Stoya. To- yes. Yeah. This, is, this has nothing to do with books at all. But I'm so proud of myself because it was such a bizarre moment. The other week, I couldn't have sex. My partner was like, I've got a boner. I've got your fleshlight. Oh, is it going to be weird if I fuck your fleshlight while you're here? And I'm like, I will do you one better. Oof. And I take the insert out of the plastic tube and I put it on his dick and I wrap both my hands around and I just start jerking him off. But I'm doing the squeezing thing too. I'm going to stop moving my hands in the jerking off motion because it's making the microphone bob around. 
<laughs> so I'm jerking off, I'm jerking him off, and he's like, I'm fucking your pussy right now. And I'm like, this is the most narcissistic moment of my entire life. It's actually very sweet and giving, to be honest. And meta and um and not something that everyone could do because not everyone has a mold of their cunt to wrap around someone's pulsing throbbing cock (laughs) that is really sweet as somebody who doesn't have an attached cock i always wonder like like if i had one and i was gonna like fuck a different fleshlight like could i take the pepsi challenge you know could i like stick my dick in like various fleshlights and be like that's stoya oh i wonder i don't think so because we so all the fleshlight girls have different textures oh yeah so if you had sensation in the phallus, you probably could, after a certain point, like figure out like this is this one and that's that one. I have such penis envy over the whole thing yeah, yeah, that I've yeah. actually thought about cutting one in half and like dry humping it, wet humping. Oh. I would want lube for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's nice. I've considered you should. it. I should. They should send you one just for that. Okay, I've got a fucking pile of them. In the... Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, th- you can spare one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, you should obviously do that with your own. Also, like <laughs> fucking your own pussy. Get out of here. The I feedback know, loop. Right? Come on. <laughs> Should do it. You should like do it for for charity and like raise money for decrims New York. Build build like a a three panel mirror set. Great, and then hump it in front of the mirrors, but yeah. also have a mirror on the floor. Yeah, and just shoot from like a top angle into the whole thing, and yeah. then put it up. Uh, I don't know what platform aside from zero spaces would want on, that, but yeah, put it on zero spaces yeah. and be like whatever percent goes to, all right, I just need someone to build me a mirror corner. So many, there's we're, so many things that we're asking for from, we have a we're million generating projects. a lot of fucking ideas. <laughs> it's good. Um, that sounds really hot. I'll, I'll add. Yeah. Great. I would, would watch. Awesome. Cool. Anything else that you want to say about books? Um, I love books. <laughs> I love, they love you back. I love people who love books yeah. generally. Yeah, yeah. Like we at least have a starting point for conversation. Yeah, I mean, it's really, that's, we and didn't need to say anything else. That's really what it's all about. We've talked about so many great sex books. And if you have recommendations that we didn't touch on, then hit me up on Twitter because I'm always looking for good sex books. Hell yeah. Yeah. That's my real request. Great. Let us know yeah. what your favorite sex book is. Recommendations. Yes. Have you ever fucked in a library? Um, I have not. Well, that needs to. I know. That needs to happen. Yeah. I've like done like a porno on a library set. Yeah. But it's not the same. Haven't we all? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Who hasn't done a library porno? Yeah. But yeah, getting, getting railed in the stacks. I wonder if it's worth the risk of the headline porn star thrown out of New York public library for obscene behavior. Previously fucked a corpse (laughs) porn star yeah i mean you know there's the whole public thing and consent and you know not you know but i actually uh my uh college boyfriend uh worked in the library and uh i i i got uh you get to do it after hours i sure did i'm so jealous yeah it was really it was everything i knew it would be and more amazing yeah i had to be very quiet of course, you're you in the library. Quiet in the fucking library. Shh, shh. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that, shh. 
note. <laughs> Stoya, people can find you on the internet on Twitter. At Stoya on Twitter, at Stoya on Instagram, hellostoya.com, which I barely post on ever. But that's a good hub for a lot of your stuff. Yeah, like yeah. if I'm doing something, then I'll like put up a thing that's like, hey, I've put out a book or like whatever. And ongoing on Slate is How to Do It yes. column. And you have a book club here in Brooklyn. It's called Sex Lit at Love the it. Gemini Scorpio Loft. Love it. Yeah. And if people want to support you and your work, what's the best way to do that? I get royalties from my book and from Flashlight. Cool. Zero spaces. You know, we sell individual issues and individual video clips. Cool. In theory, we'll get up to subscription at some point. But like if you... I know it's a la carte. Yeah. If you buy something on zero spaces, that goes right back into the budget to make more awesome content. Cool. Yeah. Great. Well... I'm a huge fan and it's really nice to just hang out and giggle about things that we like. And I'm really quite honored to have you on the show. Thank you for sharing your disgusting, weird, wonderful mind. I'm honored to be on the show. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh my God, Tina Horn's podcasting from my apartment. (laughs) Well, surrounded by all of your books. Well, that that mutual mutual appreciation. That makes me feel really great. Thank Uh, you for having me. Thanks so much for being here. You've been listening to Why Are People Into That? Produced and hosted, as always, by yours truly, Tina Horn. If you want to support five years and counting of indie pervert media, check out the show's Patreon. That's patreon.com slash T-I-N-A-H-O-R-N. Please take a little time to write us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and keep telling your friends about the show. It really means the world to me. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Tina Horns Ass for updates on live shows, workshops, and everything else I'm up to in and out of clothes. Our music is by Vivid Windows from Oakland, California. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.